0: following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shore.org.nz. Right. Well, before we uh, get into talking a little bit more about this new journey that we're going to be going on together, I want to just uh, set, set the scene by sharing a few thoughts from Scripture. Uh, with you and giving some context and bringing some biblical context to what we're talking about this morning. So we're going to look at a passage in the book of Isaiah. If you've got a Bible this morning, Isaiah 58, uh, open it up. If you've got it on your device anywhere, uh, open up the device, uh, open up the app, close down Instagram and Facebook, and then open up your Bible app. And uh, Isaiah 58, so we're we're just taking a short break. Thank you, Bruiser, you read my mind. Amazing man of God. Thank you, brother. Uh, Isaiah 58. We're just taking a short break from our Sermon on the Mount series. Those of you who are astute will know there is only one message to go, but we're going to make you wait for it. Uh, so we're going to we will circle back to that. I promise. Mm, shaky hand. Um, okay. Isaiah fifty-eight, uh, verse six. Is this the is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see them naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. There's a guy named Jim Wallace who was studying at a Bible college in the U.S., and he and his friends decided to do this little experiment. They looked up every verse in the Bible that they could find which talked about poverty or the poor, serving the poor, serving the needy, serving the homeless, loving other people. And what they decided to do was they got a pair of scissors and they literally cut every one of those verses out of their Bible. Yeah, they, they, they didn't do this maliciously, by the way. They did this to make a point. But they found about 2,000 verses. You don't like me poking these at you, do you? They found about 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about loving the poor, serving the needy, helping the destitute, and those who are helpless and hopeless. And so they literally got a pair of scissors, and they just cut out each one of those verses. And when that finished what do you think this looked like? It was in tatters. And, and Jim Wallace had this Bible that was just like shredded. It was, it was, he'd hold it up and it was just sort of pages hanging out, at these gaping holes, 2,000 verses missing from his Bible. And then he would go around and speak in these different places and he would take along his tattered Bible and he'd hold it up and, and say something like, this is the Bible that most Christians read. That, this is it. And, and the people would look at that tattered book and kind of get the message. He wasn't saying literally that most Christians cut those verses out of their Bible because we don't. But he was saying, figuratively, that's what we do. Metaphorically, that's what we do. That's the kind of Bible we end up with. A whole lot of verses that we tend to ignore and exclude and bracket out of our faith because we love the verses that talk about God's love, right? We love all the verses that talk about God's promises. We love the verses that talk about God's goodness and His faithfulness and, and, and the way in which He is present in our lives. We love that stuff. I love that stuff. I will preach that stuff all day long. That's good foundational biblical truth. The problem is there are literally thousands of other verses in the Bible that make us a bit uncomfortable. And there are some parts of the Bible that we just tend to gloss over. It's easy to do. You just move on to the next one. And these are verses that are just as important, just as much a part of the Word of God. Passages like this, we just don't tend to give them time. And what that means is we end up with a Bible that's full of holes, and we end up with a gospel that's full of holes, and we end up with a faith that's full of holes. And in some ways the situation we end up in is a little bit like the situation that Israel was in when God writes this to them and speaks this to them through the prophet Isaiah. Because the Israelites themselves at this time in history, they had a lot of problems. They had a lot of unfaithfulness, but they also had some really good spiritual practices. So they knew how to pray. They prayed a lot. They knew how to offer the right sacrifices, and they offered a whole lot of bulls and goats and animals on the altar. They knew how to bring the sacrifices and go through the motions and do the right thing. They knew how to fast, that's for sure. That's a big theme in this passage. The Israelites were fasting all the time for spiritual reasons. It seems like in this passage, you go back a few verses, it seems like they genuinely wanted to seek God. They wanted to draw near to them. But you come to this passage in Isaiah 58, and Yahweh is saying to Israel, I know that you want to draw near to me, but your faith is full of holes. I know that you want to seek me, but your faith has got this huge, huge, big hole in it. Because Israel, they wanted to seek the presence of God. They wanted to know God. They wanted His favor. They wanted, in a sense, to draw near to the heart of God, which is good, and God says that's a good thing. But what you read in this passage is that, unmistakably, God has a heart for the poor. It just jumps off the pages of this passage and many, many others in the Bible that God has a love for the poor, and He has a desire to lift them up "'Lift up the hungry, the thirsty, and fill them with good things.'" God has a heart for those who don't have a home. The poor wanderer, the one who doesn't have the shelter, God has a heart for the homeless. God has a heart for those who don't have clothes on their back. God has a heart for the oppressed. That shines through in this passage, the oppressed, those who are in bondage and chains enslaved to many, many different things. Those who are marginalized, those who are powerless, those who don't have any advantage in society, those who are on the underside of power, who don't have resources, who struggle and battle, those who are helpless and hopeless and last and least and lost. God's heart is for those people and His desire is to move towards them with love, with compassion, and with justice, to use His people to do this. And so He says to Israel, you can pray all the prayers you want to. You can offer all the sacrifices you want to. Do fasts all day long. But if you care nothing for the poor, then your heart is not connected to the things that break my heart. And all of these spiritual practices that you go through will be only a shadow of what they could be if your heart was truly broken for the things that break the heart of God. It's not just Isaiah 58. This is a message theme that rolls through the pages of the Bible. I could have chosen any number of passages this morning, page after page. It echoes through the voices of the prophets. It echoes through the wisdom literature. It echoes through the Psalms. It rolls on like a tsunami through the Old Testament into the New Testament. It's not just an Old Testament thing. You get to the New Testament. You get to Luke chapter 4, and you have Jesus stand up in the synagogue at Nazareth and say these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to who? Anybody? The poor. Not just the poor in spirit, but the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Can you hear the words of Isaiah in the background there? Can you hear the texts coming through in the Old Testament? Jesus is drawing from the prophets. He's drawing from passages like Isaiah 58. And he's saying, this is what God now has anointed me to do, this ministry that he has given me. So one of the questions that comes out of this passage in Luke 4 then is, who are the oppressed? I think in a sense, we are all the oppressed because we are all, we have been all under the hand of the ultimate oppressor who is the evil one, who is Satan. In one sense, Jesus has come to bring liberation for all of us, that we've all been under the boot Of the evil one who has held us, Bible says, in bondage to sin. And Jesus has come to bring freedom. He's come to bring us into the freedom and the glory of being children of God. Release us from the power of sin. Bring us forgiveness. Bring us redemption. Bring us reconciliation with Him. That is the heart of the gospel. That is good news. That is salvation. We're all the ones who have been set free as oppressed. But that's not all. That is good news, but it's only part of the good news. Jesus came to set free the spiritually oppressed. But then in his ministry, we see him moving towards those who are literally poor and those who were literally oppressed. We can't just spiritualize this passage. Jesus moved towards those who struggled, who battled, who were in bondage to all kinds of different evils and all kinds of oppression. Those people who were trampled down, those people considered to be unclean, by the Jewish people, Jesus just constantly moved towards people like that, crossed all kinds of social taboos, walked across every line you're not supposed to walk across and just moved towards people that other people had no time for at all. But he was just driven with compassion towards those who were destitute and despairing, who other people had ignored and excluded, but the heart of Jesus compelled him towards these people. So the gospel is always... Always, always, the vertical relationship between us and God, that is primary. No one's excluding that. No one's ignoring that. But it is also the horizontal relationship of us being led in the power of the Spirit to be a blessing to the world. And if you only have one without the other, you've only got half the gospel. Because Jesus came not only to reconcile us with God, but to reconcile us to one another. There has to be the vertical, and there has to be the horizontal Um, let me be just controversial for a minute. I know some people, you listen to a message like this and you think, are you talking about social justice? And it's one of those things, I think people people kind of wonder, like, are you trying to smuggle in social justice to this church? How dare you? Are you trying to get social justice in through the back door here? Let me just speak about this because I know it's on people's minds and hearts. Social justice is a term that in the last few years, this has shifted quite quickly, has become a highly politicized term And now gets attached to various movements that may have particular political ideologies. Now what tends to happen is Christians can look at a particular movement that may be social justice warriors and say, well, I don't like their politics, so I'm not into social justice. We can look at a particular movement or organization and say, well, I don't like their political ideology, so if that's social justice, it's not for me. Thank you very much. And we end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater when we do that. Let me just say this. As clearly and honestly and transparently with you as I can, my brothers and sisters, this is not about politics. It's not about whether you are left leaning or right leaning or right in the middle. It's not about who you're going to vote for in October. It's not about whether you consider yourself a conservative or a progressive or a liberal or anywhere in between. This is about the Bible. It's really what it's about. This is about following Jesus, it's about loving Jesus. And it's about listening for the voice of God in Scripture. That's what we're doing. And unmistakably, the voice of God is calling us towards the poor and the oppressed. Because that's so close to God's heart. It's never anything less than personal salvation, but it is so much more than that. That's why I prefer the term biblical justice. People disagree on this, that's fine, but I prefer biblical justice because of a lot of the baggage social justice now has. God is clearly on the side of justice. I mean, Isaiah, he says, I love justice. God loves justice. And that simply means restoring what is wrong and making things right again. Restoring things to a state of rightness. God does it in our lives when we become Christians, and then He calls us to be His agents, His conduits of justice in the world, to bring about restoration and renewal, to be part of restoring what is broken, putting broken and fractured pieces back together, homes, lives, marriages, communities, families. That's justice. This is good, and this is biblical. So I just want you to understand this is not attached to any particular political ideology. This is just about loving Jesus and being biblical Christians. So with that out the way... How do we do it? How do we live out justice? How do we live out Isaiah 58? Because this is just as much a calling to us today as it was to Israel in the Old Testament. There's a million ways. You know this. There's a million ways that you can do this. You can look around you. I mean, like we sung the words of that song, lead me in your love to those around me. Who are those around you who are poor? Who are those who are struggling? Who are battling? Who are excluded? Who are unseen? So much of this is awareness. Just becoming aware Of who the others might be that we are, we may literally be walking straight past. We can all do this. You don't need to wait for me, Donovan, the elders, anyone to tell you to do this. This is just about following Jesus. But there are also things we can do as a church community. There are times we can pull our resources, there are times we can step into something together, there are times we can say, we're going to focus ourselves in one place, one people, one community for the sake of making a difference in that part of the world. That's what we're talking about this morning. And so, as we go on this little journey, and as we hear this morning about Mums and Bubs and the work of Tear Fund in Indonesia and and this, this calling that we have, this invitation we have as a church, I want you, in your own minds, as you're listening to this, to ground this biblically. I want you to be thinking back and making these connections back to Isaiah 58 and thinking, this is what it means. This is what it looks like in our day to loose the chains of injustice. This is what it looks like in our day to untie the cords of the yoke. This is what it looks like in our day to set the oppressed free and share our food with the hungry. It'll look different in every age. It'll look different in every community. This is one way that this can be outworked, Isaiah 58, Luke 4, in our day and in our time and among our community. So make those connections and be thinking back to scripture as we go on this little journey together this morning. Okay. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand over to Donovan then to lead us through. Let's pray. Jesus, we hear your word this morning, and it's a challenging word. Lord, I'm challenged. But I thank you, God, that this is all an outworking of your grace in our lives. God, I thank you that this is not something that we do out of some sense of legalism, some sense of obligation, obligation. Or some way of trying to earn anything with you. God, we we stand as your beloved people. We stand as your forgiven people. But we now hear the call of your scriptures and the nudge of your spirit to go in your love and your grace and move with justice and compassion to those around us. So God, give us open hearts as we hear. Give us willing minds and receptive spirits to allow the seeds that are planted this morning to go in deeply, and we pray that this would bear good fruit for you and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. 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 <laughs> I'm going to invite Kelly up here. Kelly, come on up, and I'll hand this to you. Uh, Thanks. As, yes. As Reuben said, this is the culmination. Today is the culmination. Excuse me. Today is the culmination of something that has been in the thoughts and prayers of our elders, of our missions team, of Jeff and Mickey and Sophie and Chelsea, uh, people who have been thinking about this, praying about this for a while now. And today we begin this partnership. Kelly and I have met several times through Zoom, even we when have. I was back in the United States. Indeed. Right? Yes. Today is our first time being face-to-face it in the is. actual room, and it is a, it is a really good thing. So. I've been
2: so excited to be here.
1: We, this, so we've been praying about this. We've been talking about it. It's been very, very exciting. Uh, Kelly, I'm going to ask you to introduce your team, introduce yourself and introduce your team and tell us a little bit about how mums and bubs. For any Americans out there, mums and bubs is uh, uh, mothers and babies. Uh, as a <laughs> translation. Um, mums and bubs came to New Zealand. As you're doing that, though, I'm going to ask our front of house team, Sharon, if we could pass out these brochures that we have today. Uh, we're going to do one per family. We'll have some more at the back if you, if you want more. But if we could just have one per household at the moment, uh, uh, grab one of those, hang on to it. We'll be referencing it here uh, in just a little bit. So grab that, uh, that brochure. And Kelly, please, uh, please introduce your team.
2: Yeah, thanks. Um, so I'm Kelly. I'm here today from Tear Fund as a passionate advocate for this program, Mums and Bubs. And I'm here uh, with Claire Gray, who is um, one of our senior leadership team in both our advocacy and church spaces, and also Lou Haynes, who heads the relationship with compassion, who is our partner for Mums and Bubs and our child sponsorship work. So they're here with me today. Uh, Up on the screen, you'll see a little image of uh, my recent trip to Bali, Indonesia, to visit one of the Mums and Bubs programs. So uh, that gives you a little context about what I have done at TFN in the church team and in the Mums and Bubs space. Uh, And the next little slide there, you'll see some of the people that I went to Indonesia with. Uh, that is Helen on the left here with me and this mum and baby. That's Helen kneeling on the ground. Uh, she's taking a photo of one of our participants in the program. Now she's pretty certain that she was kneeling in open sewerage at the time. And this is Jared over here on the on the on the left of the screen, and he is our videographer. And and we're just. Uh, And they are an incredible communications team. And we went to Bali to sort of collect this information. We have been doing mums and bubs or bringing mums and bubs to New Zealanders for about two years. And so this trip was the first after COVID. We were the first uh, organisation to go back out into the field and collect these stories. And if you flick to the next slide, you'll see the photo that Helen actually took when she was down on the ground there. So you can see what the context is. Not a very glamorous job being a humanitarian photographer, but incredible, beautiful results. And, well, what prompted the program? Yeah. So I'll probably I'll start a little, I'll go way back. So 75% of childhood deaths occur in the first year of life. 99% of maternal deaths occur in low-income countries. Traditionally, our partner Compassion, who implements the Mums and Bubs program, they, uh, they also run our child sponsorship program. Has everybody heard of, of Tier Fund child sponsorship through Compassion before? Great. That traditionally started about kindy age uh, and obviously a huge gap. That is a very obvious and clear need. And at Tier Fund, we talk about working with the most vulnerable people living in extreme poverty and when you think of babies born, mums giving birth in extreme poverty, to me that is the most vulnerable people and one of the most vulnerable times you have and so that is how the program was born, Compassion have been implementing this in 25 countries around the world for a long time but we have brought this to the heart and awareness of New Zealanders over just the past two years so we're now going into our second year.
1: That's all. And for, for those of you that don't know, Tear Fund or Compassion, as it's known in other parts of the world, is this kind of holistic, it's a very large ministry that does um, uh, both spiritual and uh, physical care for communities, not just individuals, but communities. That's and right. so when we're talking about mums and bubs, it really ties into a much larger approach, but focusing on this critical stage. What, what were those statistics again?
2: So 75% of childhood deaths occur in the first year of life. 99% of mums who die in childbirth live in low-income countries in extreme poverty.
1: And it it seems like such an easy solution right to focus on this first year of life
2: that's for right for
1: these babies and for these mothers that are that are uh, giving birth and pregnant absolutely so, okay
2: yeah so i can show you a little a bit about what exactly the program does yep. but most of what i'm going to do here is tell stories so i'll get you give you the information so uh number one we'll go back to number one thank you so much so we have pre- and postnatal uh, care for pregnant women, monthly home visits, in fact in Bali it's, it's fortnightly home visits to mums and babies, and uh, health and development checkups, which you would expect, immunizations, how are babies growing, how are they doing, a little bit like plunket, like we, we all know what plunket's like, but super boosted, right? Uh, we also do postnatal education and activities, and what that looks like is group activities where mums get together, they meet each other, they learn together, their families learn together. And then income generation and future proofing, so that's teaching mums new skills so that they're able to, to earn an income and create a better future for their family. And then, of course, with everything that Tier Fund does, this is church based, child focused, and Christ centered. So, this is all about, and it all leads to this transformational spiritual and social sort of guidance element of this program so those that's the the basic facts of the Mums and Bubs program and how it came how it came to be okay. yeah
1: so again just those those. The things that you're talking about in our context here in New Zealand, the kind of things that you would just take for granted, right, that we would support young babies, we would su- support mothers in the process of this critical uh, stage of life, that we just assume those, those structures exist and people would have access to them. And in this context, they don't. It is, it is non-existent unless someone provides that, and that is what Mums and Bubs is doing.
2: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah,
1: that's right. So can you tell us a little bit about, because some of us have maybe heard of Bali. Some, I, In fact, I have a friend who's in Bali right now on vacation that's or right. on holiday. And so it looks like this big, beautiful place. But there's also this place right in Bali there called uh, Dempasur.
2: Well, everything is, so Bali is in Dempasar. Okay. And this particular program is about 15 minutes away from the beautiful beaches, right? You say okay. Bali and you think, beautiful beach, great holiday. I'm going to have a good time. But about 15 minutes drive inland from the pictures you might see of Bali is the community where one of our mums and bubs programs is operating and that's what we're talking a little bit about today. So I thought I'd show you some pictures, talk you through what, what's happening in those. So this is one of our mums and babies up there on this high level boarding house. So there are two communities that this program works in. One is in the urban slum area which really is made up of a lot of boarding houses. You've got double-level boarding houses, single-level, and they, where families share one room and then one bathroom and uh, kitchen facility. So we can flick through a few of those photos. You can see it's a bit treacherous getting up to the top there. Our program delivers clean water because there's no one running water in this community at all. So this is a program staff member delivering water up the top there. And on the right-hand side, you can see a little bit of the room there. Um, It's just one room. Everything happens in that room. And on the next slide, you'll see that up against the wall, there's these mattresses. Well, As soon as these mums join the program, these mattresses are provided by the program. So this is very practical, as well as everything else that goes on. So during the day, they have them up against the wall. At night, they come down, and the family sleep there all together in one room. So that's Flora and Noffy, little baby is called Flora, mum is called Noffy and yeah, she has an incredibly tragic story, which I won't go into today, but her little baby has just been uh, graduated into the sponsorship programme and has been sponsored, so that's amazing as well. So if we flick through, I'll show you the context of, uh, this is what one of the shared facilities look like. So this is 12 families sharing this kitchen and bathroom space. So there is clean water in one of those blue tanks. So even just simple things like a baby bath being provided actually helps to protect babies from preventable disease. So it's easy for us as parents, as members of a community to understand how those practical things are really important. And as we flick through, uh, this, is, this is sort of the area as you sort of go into the bathroom and then the next this is Wayne, this is her room. We're going to talk a little bit about her story later as well. She's on the top level of that boarding house too. And then we'll flick through. I wanted to show you this picture because this program is a little unusual in that it serves two communities. Usually with mums and bubs, you would sh- you would serve a community within about a five kilometer radius of the church because it's church-based. However, The incredible staff members, one of them worked in this local refuse centre. So a lot of the families live and work in the local dump, basically. So this family here share that one shack, and then the grandparents live in this other shack on the side. And I just wanted to give you that context. When we talk about Bali, when you go on holiday, this is where all the rubbish ends up. And these families live and scavenge and earn an income. And so one of the incredible staff members I'll introduce you to actually originally came from this community. So they serve two communities, which is really great.
1: So this is, and, and going back to what Ruben said about justice, this is literally a place where there is no justice. People who live in this type of extreme poverty don't get the type of justice system, don't get the policing, don't get all the things that we kind of take for granted. They're very much at the whim of people who have power in those communities. And so when an organization like Tear Fund comes in, an organization like Mums and Bubs, it actually, it's in a very, very practical way, is giving real dignity that has real life implications on that day to these families and to these people. So can you tell us a little bit, we're already starting to get a picture as we look at some of this extreme poverty of what difference Mums and Bubs makes. But can you kind of paint a picture for us of this is what this community looks like without Mums and Bubs, without the work of Tear Fund, and this is what this community looks like now that Mums and Bubs is active and doing what it does
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to tell you a few stories now. That's okay. That's good. And I thought it's it's difficult to tell the stories without introducing you to some of the actual, the people that are the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. So uh, first I'd like to introduce you to the pastor of the program. So his church, this is Pastor Echo, and he here is doing doing a short devotions for the mums before they start their group activity. So the pastor of the church where this program is is implemented knows these mums by name. And that's him there. And we'll flick through. So we've got a great little photo of him smiling with the mums there. And Pastor Echo is he works tirelessly, he's, he's married, he's got three kids, and he's passionate about knowing and loving his community. And he, he recently sort of messaged and said, I just want to thank you so much for your prayers. It is Jesus' incredible inclusion is why I do this work. Mm. So that's Pastor Echo. Okay. And as we flick through, um, on the, on the man playing the guitar here, this is the project director. So he looks directly after the program that's running, and his name is Dominguez. Now, Dominguez is an impressive person. He told us uh, that many of the families that come to this program are actually migrants from other areas. So not only are they coming out of a context of extreme poverty, but they're also in a place that they don't understand and haven't lived in before so a lot of what the work that Dominguez does with these mums is advocacy in the, in the health system, uh, just living day-to-day. How do we get things? How do we make stuff happen? So that's Dominguez. And as we flick through, he is just an incredible person. And one of the, the next slides shows him um, at the door of the community centre that was built by Funds Through Compassion. So the church the child sponsorship, the mums and bubs is all running right in the centre of the community and that's him at the door there. And the next slide, I just wanted to share this because being aware that we visited in the context of COVID and we were thinking about spread, we had to do tests to make sure we weren't, you know, spreading anything and so we sort of, had that context on the whole time we had to wear masks and Dominguez, he would lead us to all of the mums and bubs' homes on his little bike. He didn't need GPS. He knew how to get through all these hot, crowded mazes to these mums and bubs' homes. And I thought about him. We would arrive there. We would be talking and interviewing one of the mums, and he'd flip over a crate or a bucket or whatever he could find in the alley and start talking to the neighbours. And I thought of him on his his bike, on his little Vespa, spreading the gospel and the love and concern and justice of Jesus and that was that just really stuck out to me there's a little video next so he can, and we'll just play it if we can that's him ahead and that's us in the van and I just thought it just to me it just struck me here is someone with the veins out into the community caring for them yeah so that's Dominguez uh, and he is looking after this program. In the next slide, you'll see our child specialist, Ernie.
1: Can we ask quick, are they, are, uh, Pastor Echo and Dominguez and Ernie, are they from Indonesia?
2: Yes, they're all okay. from Indonesia. Dominguez is, in fact, from Bali. Okay. Um, but Pastor Echo is from Java.
0: Okay. Yes. Right, cool.
2: So this is Renine, she leads the child specialist program. So she's looking after all of the birth attendants and the lactation consultants and the child specialists who are going into homes. And she is just an amazing woman. We saw her in action and she's like that combo of like really professional health and well-being, you know, nurse or plunket nurse and then like favorite auntie. So all the kids would run to her and, and give her a hug, and she knew everyone, and she was quite firm sometimes as well. She'd be like, why is this baby lying on that, you know? <laughs> why is this over here for this baby? So she's, she's just that incredible, warm, but professional mix of person. So that's Ernie. And then in terms of the before and after, yeah. I really wanted to share this mum's story. So this is Marlon. And Marlon, when I was at the group activity, she waited for me, to talk, she waited in the heat for about half an hour because a lot of mums were lining up to speak to me. And she, I asked her, you know, when did you start coming to the program? And she started coming to the program when Tier Fund began funding that program. So before she said, before I came to this program, I didn't know how to take care of a baby, and I didn't think it mattered. Now, not only do I know how to care for my baby properly, but now I know Jesus. My whole family knows Jesus, and my life has been transformed. So when we talk about before and after, we're talking about not only surviving, we're talking about thriving. Even just the basic things like what to feed her baby. Now she knows. Her baby is just adorable, as you can see. The child specialist helping her in this picture. And in the next photo, you can see that mother's gaze where she holds her baby. And you think before the program... She didn't know how to care for a baby and didn't think it mattered. Yeah. So that's awesome. And I've got one more story. Is that okay? Please, yes, yeah? please do. Wayan, yeah, yeah. Is that all right, everybody? Great. So the next mum I'm going to tell you a little bit about is Wayne. And uh, Wayan was eight years old when her mother passed away. And she was from the island of Sumbur as well. So at eight years old, she had to leave school so that she could work with her father to try and create an income for her family. After about four years, that stopped being enough. And at 12 years old, she was sent to Bali to earn money and send back to her family. So she has three children. She has two older daughters and this little guy, Giovanni. So you can just flick through these beautiful photos as we tell the story So Giovanni was born with a disability, has no fingers on one hand, and in the context of their culture, that can be a really difficult thing to manage. But the birth attendants stayed with her, advocated with her in in the house system, and taught her to breastfeed, which she had never been able to do before. And it was just amazing to see that connection between her and her baby, and how beautifully they played, and he was a hungry baby. He, as we were interviewing, I have to sh- set this scene, because we were interviewing her and there were chickens and there were bikes starting up and it is hot. I mean, it is like so hot and so much noise. And little Giovanni was hungry all the time. So every five minutes we took a, we took a feeding break. Okay. Yeah. And she said to me, it's been the most beautiful gift and to be able to give and comfort my son. And that is just a practical thing that has, you, know, you have seen through the program that she's been able to achieve. And it's basic. With no clean running water in a community, breastfeeding can be life-saving, sa- life right? Yeah. But for her, it was more about the connection that she gave. She said, my whole life, I have been working to help other people. I prayed, and I prayed that God would help me. The next day, I was invited to Echo's church. I was given a food hamper. I didn't know how I was going to feed my kids the next day. I was given a food hamper, and I went home to my daughters, and I said, see, when you pray, God provides. And that is just an incredible... I'm sorry, if I get a bit sooky, I apologize ahead of time. So that's a couple of stories about mums in the program. Um, Yeah, look at this beautiful photo of her playing and him giggling away. And you know that he has the best chance to survive. And as we flick through to the next uh, slide, this little bubby, her name is Patricia. And Ruben and the team here, Donovan, they really wanted me to highlight the fact that after one year in the program, we don't just abandon these families. We look after these families through the child sponsorship program once they graduate. So at about 18 months old, they'll go into home-based child sponsorship care and then carry on through the program until they are They get a job or they're 22. So it's an incredibly, it's a lifelong commitment to these families. And in fact, Patricia just graduated and we have her picture out the back if anybody wants to have a look at that afterwards.
1: Um, It is one of the things that I love about this that this is truly a holistic ministry. Where and, and for us as a church, it is an opportunity for partnership that goes well beyond one year, goes well beyond five years. This is a lifetime commitment to a community that we can really make a difference in. And, and totally. I love what you said about the, the poverty of not having hope or not having a reason to care about these things. When it's, not, it's not that people don't care. It's that when you have this level of poverty, it's just deadly. There's no, when you don't see any hope of why I should invest in my child or why I should invest in my community because it all ends the same. And now being given a very different picture, not just physically, not just the fact that there could be clean water, there could be food, there could be these just basic life-saving elements, but there's also Jesus, right?
2: Absolutely. There is so
1: much more to this life than just surviving this extreme poverty.
2: Totally. And to yeah. see mums praying together, to see them worshiping together, to see them eating together and finding community... So much of, I, you know, I expected to hear stories about great health care, about food provision, yeah. about all of those things. I expected that. But the first thing many of these mums talked about was the joy they had in being together. When I think of when I had a baby yeah. for the first time, and that can be isolating, and, you know, you might go along to a playgroup for the first time and you're trying to get to know mums. For me, seeing this group of migrants who knew no one coming together in the context of a church environment that's helping you in all of these holistic ways was something that really just sort of goes above anything you can imagine. We have the video if, if now Yeah, is we'd love to time. watch it, yeah. Yeah, so we've got this great video. You'll, you'll see some of the mums that you've just been introduced to. So if you turn your eyes, I know it's a little tricky to see, but it's just two minutes.
1: Great, and my end must be. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I
3: am fearfully and wonderfully made. Having a new baby is both beautiful and challenging. New mums face so many hurdles and so many first times. While many of us are concerned with creating the best environment for our children to thrive, too many mums around the world just hoping their babies will survive babies born into poverty are especially at risk from disease and malnutrition that's why tear fund is coming alongside vulnerable women and their babies living in extreme poverty in indonesia <laughs> Tiba-tiba lahir langsung dia begini. Saya sempat sok waktu bersanding. Saya tidak ada pekerjaan di Bali selama di Bali. Hanya suami yang kerja. Saya sangat sedih karena saya tidak bekerja. TFUN registered both mums Weiyan and Yuli into our mums and bubs program. Their life was about to change. Kan kita pas-pas beras itu. Sekilo itu, pas malamnya itu ada-ada WA. Bu besok dapat gini ya, teman gizi ya bu. Kan merasa senang. dan bisa kita ada yang bantuan. Sangat terharu dan sangat berterima kasih karena ibu sudah membantu kami. Um, hidup saya susah. Bisa rengam. Sehari-hari tidak mempunyai beras. Mempunyai uang untuk pakai beli sayur. Let me out here. Tia Fund's Mums and Buds program provides health care, clean water, food, and education. But it's much more than a survival program. It's transformational in setting mums and their babies up for a promising future. We all want the same for our children. To feel loved, to be healthy and happy. To have hope for the future. The only difference is in what we can give them. For just $30 a month, you can help provide a circle of protection around moms like Yuli and weigh on, giving them support, community, and the crucial care their babies need during their first precious year of life. Because their first year of life should not be their last.
1: I feel like we could have just shown pictures of these babies and said, hey, we get a chance to help these babies, and we could have just ended this a lot earlier, but um, it does go so much more than that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about what partnership looks like, but but this is, and we can talk about the details and the numbers and things like that. Uh, We use a lot of hyperbole sometimes when we're talking about programs like this, but this is quite literally an opportunity for us to save lives. Not just in a physical sense, not just prolonging the life of young, young mothers and babies, but also in a spiritual sense. Uh, when they're praying, they're praying for churches in New Zealand to help support and base, just bring basic things that, that these families need to survive. And so when we are, when we bring Kelly, here, and I really appreciate because I'm fairly passionate about this, but your passion, yes. uh, we knew that would come through as we talked today. Uh, but when we talk about partnering, we're not talking about how can we help Tear Fund. Tear Fund and Mums and Bubs is giving us an opportunity to make a difference in the world. And you're almost making it too easy for us.
2: Well, right? that's good to hear. At
1: least, in, at least in this project, you're making it too <laughs> easy. There's some very simple steps that we can take, right?
2: Absolutely. That's right. Um, thank you for speaking because Kelly has yet to be able to watch that video and not feel teary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So thanks for the moment, Donovan. Uh, yeah, so this is a partnership that Shore Community and the leaders here have decided to go on long-term uh, with this program. And really, I mean, we always, we talk about, it only takes 60 families to give $30 a month to fund an entire program for a year. It is actually that simple. And Shore Community want to do that as a church with the congregation on board. So everyone would have been handed out one of these little brochures today and there's a little tear-off section which you can take home, you can pray for the program and then if prayerfully consider if you would like to donate and be a part of financially supporting this program as well. So on the back of the prayer points there's information and you'll be doing that through the church. Uh, You'll you'll be getting communications from Tear twice a year. We'll report back on how the programs are doing through a beautiful report. And hopefully, maybe a trip one day. I'll throw that out there. Maybe. Bali sounds like a good place to (laughs) decide to go and visit. Uh, And you can give whatever you like. $30 a month is just something we use to, to make it sound streamlined. But whatever you can give, you can be involved in supporting this program. These mums that you saw in this video that I've talked about today were not enrolled in the program before we began funding it. Mm-hmm. So they are surviving and thriving because New Zealanders support them. And these mums know, they know that that New Zealand, people who live in New Zealand are supporting them. They actually talk about it. It's something that they feel grateful for, but their relationship is with their community and their church. So it is just a beautifully, it's so much beautiful synergy with the program. So you can be involved, you can take this home, you can talk to your leaders, you can talk to Claire, Lou, or I afterwards, Um, and, you know, I was thinking a little bit about the fact that, you know, while we can, the difference isn't just in the practical, right? The difference is in the spiritual transformation as well. And what happens after that, we know at Tearfund, is that people often go on to become advocates and specialists in their community. I met at least five project staff working in this program who were once a sponsored child. So this is self-sustaining in terms of community leadership into the future. Not just this first year, but how critical is that first year
1: Incredible. Um, and what we want to emphasize when we talk about partnership, we are, this isn't just a one off Sunday where we say, hey, there's this tier fund, mum and the bubs thing, support it, and then we might bring it up again next year. If you don't hear us talking about this on a regular basis, you should be asking us as uh, the staff, be asking the elders, be asking the missions team, hey, what's going on with mums and bubs in Bali? What's, what, you know, what, what are some updates? How are we uh, engaging even more? And one of the ways that we're doing that is giving you an opportunity to give to this, but we've also included Tier Fund in our annual budget as well. They are a full mission partner with Shore Community Church, and so we'll be giving to them through our budget, but we also want the opportunity for you to give uh, individually, to make individual commitments. And so we have, if you look at the second page, it's actually the third page in this brochure, the one that tears out, uh, it gives you a number here, the Shore Community uh, Church Trust Missions Fund that you can give however much you want If you are a student and you've only got $50 uh, that you can spare right now, but you can do that sacrificially, you can give that above and beyond. You can skip a couple meals or skip a coffee or two, and you can give to... uh, I I saw people kind of wince a little bit when I said skip the coffee. Um, (laughs) We can do it. We can do it. But if you want to give to... uh, to the mums and bubs program above and beyond what the church is doing you can do that through that number and we will have that open you can do that at any time Uh, we will have again an ongoing relationship the other cool thing about this is we're not just talking about this in big people church today your children for those of you that have young children are talking about this in children's ministry they've watched this video and talked about this in youth ministry so when you have this little tear off here uh these prayer points, you can tear that off, put it on the uh, put it on your fridge or wherever you put things like this. Maybe you got a little bulletin board, and your family can be talking about and praying about what is going on with young mothers and babies in Indonesia uh, right now, and uh, be ooh, almost dropped that. Uh, be praying about that as a family about what what involvement looks like, and now you have real names, real faces of families that are being influenced by that program. And so uh, if you want, there are more of these in the back, and I'm going to encourage all of you with our new partners to stop by at the end of service and say hi to Kelly and to Claire and to Lou. And Jared is here as well. We didn't get to introduce Jared, but we're glad that you're here too, man. I'm right now going to call them up on stage. And uh, if any of our missions team are here, or anyone that wants to help pray for Our new partnership with the Mums and Bubs team from Tear Fund, I would invite you all up and we are going to pray for them right now, the important work that they're doing and the partnership that they are allowing us to be involved in. So please come on up. Yeah, uh, Claire, Lou, Jared, come on up too. We'd love love to have you up here. Let's pray. Uh, dear God, we are so thankful for what we learned here this morning, um, that uh, your kingdom is alive and well and active in this world, and that the things that you are concerned about, the things that, you, uh, that breaks your heart, uh, Lord, there are people responding to that in Indonesia, uh, in Bali, and in this, uh, in this community. And Lord, even though that some of us are only hearing about it right now, the fact that you are inviting us to be a part of this in a very real way is, um, Lord, it's heavy. It, it's the, Now that we know, uh, Lord, we, we are uh, going to be thinking about and praying about and feeling that that weightiness of how do we respond to your call to help the most vulnerable people in the world. We're thankful for, uh, for our team here, for Kelly and for Lou and for Claire and the work that they do. Lord, we pray that you continue to give them courage and give them wisdom as as they work in um, some really uh, uh, difficult circumstances and some challenging circumstances. But Lord, we pray that you continue to bless their work, and Lord, bless this partnership. Um, make it make it fruitful. Make it matter, Lord. Uh, make the the prayers that we are praying right now, the giving that we are doing, the the partnership that we will have in the future. Lord, we pray that um, that more people will come to know your uh, your saving grace, but, Lord, also the fruit that comes from living in Christian community uh, when, when brothers and sisters who share you start to care for each other in very real ways. And so, again, Lord, we just offer this all up to you right now, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: This has been a teaching message from Shore Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry,